Monday, 14 September 2009. Surprise visitor. Another good day with decent progress towards the destination. The 15 to 20 knots southwesterly wind made us head straight for Fremantle at a steady 7 to 8 knots through the day. Unfortunately, that seems to be dying as a right. There's a cold front couple of hundred miles to the south causing gale force winds. The swell created in, is rocking us nicely. Unfortunately, there is a huge high pressure system advancing on us from the west which will stop all wind. So we are going to have a deadly combo of swell and light winds. Really bad for the boat. Had a surprise visitor this morning in the form of a large fishing boat. I was on deck repairing some of the blocks that had been deformed owing to the wallowing in the cold drums when suddenly on the port beam saw this large fishing boat less than 100 yards away. I had been working on the deck for over an hour making trips to the mast etc but just didn't notice her till she was that close. It is the first ship or boat of any kind sighted for over a week and I had grown complacent about keeping a watch nor did I expect to find anyone over 1500 nautical miles from the coast away from shipping lanes. We'll need to start being more careful again. With the winds dying out, tonight seems to be another night of frequent trips out to take in or ease the main sheet. It's quite cold now, so every time I go out, I need to be dressed in warm clothes with shoes. And by the time I get out of them and in the sleeping bag, it is time to go up again. What an exciting way to spend the night. Wednesday, 16 September 2009. Passenger on board. Another good day of sailing. With a 25 to 30 knots northwesterly breeze and 2 to 2.5 meters of southwesterly swell. Adi cruised along through the day, clocking almost 100 nautical miles since morning. If only these conditions last for the next couple of days. Though the forecast is for lighter winds for the next two days and already the wind seems to be reducing in strength, it is amazing how much difference sailing downwind makes as opposed to upwind. With similar conditions upwind, we would have been slamming around as we did in the trades. Now, going downwind, anything below 20 knots is suddenly a cause for concern. This evening, as I was making dinner, I heard a loud thrashing in the cockpit, such as I had never heard before on the boat. After almost a month of solitude, it made me jump, so left everything and took a look outside, only to find a passenger on board. Not sure if the bird is hurt, tired or just missed water and landed on board. Being a hospitable boat, had to offer him something, so in the absence of fresh fish, which I presume is his only diet, tried some dried prawns, but he does not seem to be interested. Doesn't seem to be too scared of me as I discovered when I patted him a little and took snaps. He tries to go out of the cockpit once in a while, needs a bit of help climbing up but then comes back instead of flying away. Not sure if he is unable to fly because he is injured or requires a running start to take off as I have seen them do when they land on water. These type of birds have been following us for days now and we have developed an unspoken companionship so they are always welcome to hitch a ride. I think I will just let him be for the night. Will need to watch my step if I need to go out at night if the wind shifts or dies out lest I step on the poor thing. Maybe Admiral Auti will be able to figure out what bird it is. There are some speculation from the readers of my blog about the species of the bird. Looking back, I am fairly certain that it was a brown albatross, a smaller cousin of the better known and larger white albatross. Though I hadn't felt lonely so far, it felt nice to have the bird on board. I suddenly started feeling very responsible and tried my best to make the bird comfortable, mostly by letting him be and not scaring him. That seemed to work as gradually he started walking around, finally getting in the boat just as the wind started picking up and it was time for me to get on the deck 
and prepare to spend the better part of my night on the deck controlling the boat through the gale. Thursday, 17th September 2009. Encounter with a cold front. We had our first encounter with a cold front last night. Having lived in the tropics all my life, this was my first experience. Luckily, I had read about the various stages of approach of a front in the morning, so could understand what exactly was happening. I was watching a movie on the laptop late at night when suddenly the boat crash jibed with the boom slamming on the windward rudder and the autopilot gave up. I realized that the wind had suddenly shifted, making the boat jibe on her own. Put the boat under control, setting her on autopilot again. This time on the wind vane option to avoid any more accidental jibes. We were already sailing with one reef in the main and the Genoa, enjoying good speeds through the day. My wishful thinking that the wind shift was a one-off occurrence and that we would continue to enjoy steady winds came to naught as the wind kept rising and shifting direction. By around 0300 hours, the wind was blowing over 35 knots with gusts of 40 knots, while backing slowly, making us head north instead of east with the boat almost out of control. No choice but to reef, furl up the Genoa and then jibe to get back to an easterly course. By the time all this was over, dawn was breaking and I was desperate to get in the sleeping bag. The night had just gone by. My feathered visitor of yesterday had managed to get inside the boat during all this and must have been quite petrified, what with me jumping around every now and then and the boat moving around, changing her heel, making it go skidding from one corner to another. Got the bird out at noon and helped him climb up the cockpit as sitting inside the boat, though safe, he would have starved to death. He spread his wings as if stretching himself in the sun, went to the stern and when the next wave lurched the boat, was gone. There are other birds around, so couldn't make out which one was our visitor. My best guess is that he accidentally landed in the boat at night instead of landing on the water and then couldn't take off as he needs space to do that. Or was it a real smart guy who sensed an approaching gale and rode it out in absolute comfort? We will never know. It was interesting to see how the human mind works with a bit of company even when the company is non-human. As I struggled to keep the boat going through the gale, I realized to my amusement that I was trying to handle the boat more gently and was avoiding violent movements as far as possible so as not to disturb my passenger for the night. While my conscious mind was laughing at this, subconsciously, I still kept being careful and feeling very responsive. Saturday, 19th September 2009, one month at sea. It has been exactly a month since we left Mumbai, which, needless to say, is a distant memory. Feels almost unreal thinking about it. There have been so many changes. For one, when we left Mumbai, it was so hot I couldn't wait to get my t-shirt off. Now, I think twice before getting out of my clothes to go to the loo. The doldrums have been replaced by the cold rums and the equatorial scalds by the cold fronts. We have covered over 4,600 nautical miles so far and still need to cover about 750 nautical miles. Not really in a hurry, not that it would make any difference if we were, since our progress depends entirely on the winds. Good winds of 25 to 30 knots through the day with a large following sea making us do almost 90 nautical miles in the past 12 hours. Another front passed us a couple of hours back, getting used to them now, which helps in reefing and getting ready to face them so much easier. The day was duly celebrated on board with a Bhailpuri brunch. Looks like another long night ahead with the winds regularly touching 40 knots and a large swell following us. The last time that happened, we'll be calm for the whole of next day. Let us see what tomorrow has in store for us. For now, enjoying the fast progress towards destination.
the friends had started becoming regular now and my ability to deal with them had started improving each one thumped us moved on i remembered a conversation about facing the southern ocean with robin over lunch at my home in mumbai a few years back you always seem to understate the severity of the weather and make it sound so easy dealing with it i had said curious to know what he really went through and how he learned to cope with it there's a point in alarming people ashore when they can do nothing to help you he had replied nonchalantly so how long does it take to get used to dealing with that sort of weather asked my mother sitting at the table well the first time you face a big one you are convinced that it is the end of the world and you are not going to survive the second time you tell yourself that you just might survive as you managed the last time the third time you are sure you will come out of it alive as we have survived so far when you are getting ready to face the 10th one you are worrying that you may not be able to get hot food for the next few days but to reach that state you have to go through the first nine stages unfortunately there are no shortcuts there perfect advice that was finally i was experiencing it wednesday 23rd september 2009 over 5000 miles sailed 225 to go looks like we are close to fremantle finally while 225 nautical miles is almost the distance between mumbai and goa after 5000 nautical miles it does seem close the wind continues to play its games so still not sure about the time it will take but two more days should be a fair guess if the wind holds tonight this will be the last quiet night before reaching by tomorrow we should start encountering some traffic which would mean keeping a watch to avoid collision didn't write anything for the last two days the main reason was pure laziness there was also little happening with light and shifty winds an overcast sky and a feeling of heading nowhere kept myself entertained watching old hollywood movies so thoughtfully stocked by my crew lieutenant commander abhilash tommy while i am enjoying my vacation on the boat the poor chap is running around from pillar to post in delhi getting his deputation arranged for joining me in fremantle as the support crew the plan was for him to be present before we arrived so that things could be tied up better but looks like we'll beat him to it the boat builder ratnagar is leaving aside his business and planning to drop by to get the boat ready for the next leg which is when madhavi and i will have our first brush with the roaring 40s so far it has been smooth sailing but things will get serious once we enter the southern ocean as a right the sun would be crossing the equator and entering the southern hemisphere it is the autumn equinox today the beginning of summer in this part of the world one of the considerations for starting in august from mumbai was to get maximum summer time in the southern hemisphere and we seem to have achieved it just a day or two late tried clicking snaps of my feathered companions without much luck difficult to capture the grace on a camera looks like there is no substitute but being at sea to really admire them when i started writing and uploading the photos i was keeping an eye open at the shifty and light wind which was barely able to hold the boom from thrashing and making a sail almost 40 degrees away from fremantle by the time i finished writing the wind had crossed 25 knots making me run and put a reef in the main and i am still wondering if i should have put another reef looks like it will not be as quiet a night as i thought not complaining though as the wind is making us head straight for our destination at a healthy 8 knots facing light and shifty winds for almost 1000 nautical miles we are finally close to fremantle i had to give my date of arrival to the indian defense advisor in canberra to allow him to reach fremantle to receive us by noon on 23rd september frustrated with light winds from the wrong direction i asked him to catch a flight on 25th september as there was no way we could reach fremantle before that the wind gods took offense 
and decided to prove me and the weather forecast wrong. The wind shifted and kept increasing through the night, making us charge towards Fremantle at over 8 knots. By daybreak the next day, we were surfing big swells in over 30 knots of wind and we were 50 nautical miles from our destination. By noon, we had sighted Rottnest Island outside Fremantle Harbour, our first landfall since leaving Mumbai 34 days ago. As I was rounding the island from the north and getting ready to enter the harbour, a big whale suddenly reared up on the port bow, less than 50 metres away. It was crossing our path from left to right and for a moment I worried that it may come up under the boat when it surfaced next. What a welcome to the harbour. Not too long after that, with winds blowing at over 35 knots, I got the sails down and switched on the engine to get in the Fremantle Yacht Club Marina. Two and a half years ago, I had watched Robin start the second leg of his race from the same place and wished that someday I could enter this harbour in my own boat. Building a boat and sailing her around the world had only been a dream then, with some very vague ideas about achieving her aims. Now, here I was, sailing my own boat. Well, the Indian Navy's actually, just as I had imagined. It felt great. Despite the gale force winds and choppy sea, the Fremantle Sailing Club had sent out a boat to guide us in through the narrow entrance of the marina. We went alongside at about 16.30 hours with a couple of knocks but no serious damage. I was pleasantly surprised to find a small crowd waiting on the pier to receive us. There was a representation from the Australian Navy, Customs, Immigration, our host, the Fremantle Sailing Club, ISS Shipping, who would be our agents during the stay, and of course, mandatorily for an Indian, a cousin representing the family. By the end of the trip, I was convinced there is no place on earth where we won't find an Indian. The Indian Defence Advisor had heeded my advice and would land only the next day, while my lone shore support crew, Abhilash, was still going around in circles in Delhi, trying to sort out the paperwork for his deputation. It is mandatory for Indian government officials to travel by Air India, and that included Abhilash. We used to lay bets that Madhavi would beat Air India as far as arrival of the shore support crew was concerned. We laughed at it the first time in Fremantle, but realized that the joke was on us when the situation repeated itself in the rest of the ports. One of the first people I met in Fremantle was John Sanders, the legendary Australian solo circumnavigator who holds the record for three back-to-back -back solo circumnavigations. He had come down to receive us and by the time I finished with the customs and immigration formalities inside the boat, he had secured all the lines on the deck properly. I was touched. You didn't have to do that, John. I would have done it in a while, I told him. He just gave his shy smile and mumbled in his characteristic style that it was not a problem. The boat had to look neat and that I must be tired. It was nice to be on land and meet people. I think the biggest emotion was a sense of relief on having completed the trip safely. I would experience it whenever I entered a port. I wrote a short message on the blog before locking the boat and switching off my mind from sailing for the night. Thursday, 24th September 2009, Land Ahoy. Madhi got alongside safely at Fremantle Yacht Club Marina at 16.30 hours, GMT plus 8. More later, as it is difficult to do elbow bending and blogging at the same time. Elbow bending seemed like a good excuse for wriggling out of writing something long. As the adrenaline rush of completing the leg and arriving at a new place started wearing off, I started realizing how tired I was.